it was honestly that spirit of rebellion that I had. I never understood it. Hmm. I always felt like there was too much of a mix and there was no personal space left anymore. Yeah. There was only culture hmm. and culture not in the good sense. It was something that was very binding that was created around people. Yeah. And that was something that I never agreed with. So right. for me it was always like I would always find problems in a lot of these things. I would always question authority. Mm-hmm. It's been uh it's been a habit that I just haven't let go of. It gets me in trouble a lot of the time. <laughs> I I can <laughs> guess yeah yeah. Yeah, but it's something that I'll always question. Something that I don't agree with is something that I'm ready to question. And initially that was a lot of rebellion. It did cause a lot of distance. Mm. But then after that when I could include people in my rebellion. Mm. That's when I realized the change gets made. Okay. I could have my individual rebellion and go on to do nothing with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I could get people on the side of my rebellion is when I realized I could really make that change. Hey guys, welcome to the Rarel podcast. My name is Manoj, a engineer by qualification, a banker by profession, and a podcaster by passion. My goal is to really bring people who have actually charted the unconventional path, explore their learnings and share that with you. So, I'm super excited to have you join me on this show. And now, let's get the show started. Uh, welcome everybody to another episode of the Rare Earth podcast. My guest today is somebody very special. Generally I do a intro after the show or I do it post production but this intro needs to be told in the presence of the guest. So let me just tell you about my guest today. At age 15 she started her professional business in the line of baking. She launched her own the sweet retreat cakery. She's a self-published author and she wrote her first piece when she was 9 years old. She is also co-authored four different books. She is a human rights activist. She is an active member of Bangalore Student Community and Safe Space Project. Swadhyaya Publication made a list of top 50 poets in in, in the country, and she was one of the listed members there. And she is not only doing all these things along with her. <laughs> busy life but she is also a very promising student in mount carmel college and she is actually pursuing journalism and english literature okay and if, if my facts go wrong you need to correct me so it's a great delight and uh, very excited to have you amina onto the show thank you so much manoj i'm so happy to be here and uh, how are you doing today i'm great i'm feeling good about this i love a good conversation so i'm happy to be here Yeah so you are 19 years old you're the youngest guest that I have had this is going to be a, quite a blast one okay. of the goals uh, in in this conversation today is to really get to know you so mm-hmm. that people get to know who you are and uh, you're somebody with so much wide ranging skill sets okay so this is something which is not very common and you put unnecessary pressure for the rest of the youth <laughs> <laughs> so uh, like how does youth who are actually coming out in the world and trying to you know cope with just one item called studies you are really stacking it up to another level i was just having a conversation with a friend over lunch now and so some people find me a little intimidating to be around right but all it takes is one conversation with them because it's understandable i do a lot of things but i'm just as basic as anyone else really i know it's, okay it's um, not that i have i'm exceptional in any way or any of that it's 
there are a few things that I do that are different from the others, but I am just like them. And there are things that I look at other people do and I'm like, oh my God, how is she doing that? I can't dance to save my life and I can't sing. <laughs> so when I look at people dance, when I look at people sing, I'm like, oh my God, I wish I could do that. So I have that in me too. When people look at me and say, oh my God, how is she doing that? I have the same kind of feeling when I do um, interact with some people. Mm. But I guess it takes that one conversation for people to get to know me. And yeah, after that, it's always a good time. It's just that I guess I can be a little intimidating <laughs> in the start. No, I think, uh, yeah, honestly, all the things that we spoke about just before the show is a list of things a lot of people individually take it up as a one line of work. No, be it, you know, publishing a book in one's lifetime is an achievement. You have gone to publish four and then you started baking when you were nine years old. Okay, so... When I was seven, actually. You were seven? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're putting a lot of pressure to the <laughs> kids from seven years and up. Okay, so we definitely will dive into a little bit about how this journey started for you. I'm sure you must have spoken this in length, but we're going to keep it so that listeners can benefit from that. Right. And so how did the passion for writing start? So, um, from a very young age, I was looking for a sort of outlook for things that I was feeling. Mm. And I've always felt things a little deeper than people my age. From a very young age, I have been someone who thinks a little deeper, someone who feels a little deeper. Mm. And in the spaces that I was, I found that sometimes kids could be really silly and nobody really got me. I mean, mm. everybody ha had that period in their life where they felt like nobody understands me, that, that kind of thing. That's when I started writing. Mm. I used to read a lot more when I was younger. Okay, and like uh, how young were you when you started reading? I, for as long as I can remember, I've been reading. Okay. So my mom used to take us down to the library all the time. Mm. And uh, we would read and then like she would read with us. Sometimes she'd ask us questions about our books and okay. things like that. And then mm. we would go pick up new books. So every week we'd go into the library to pick up pick new books, books and yeah. things like that so they were all like very basic very you have your fabulous five and things right. like that i've been reading for as long as i could remember but i never thought of myself as a writer until i actually got down to it mm -hmm. and um i did start writing as a let out and mm. my work was very private for a long time nobody knew that i wrote mm. and so how you used to write in a notebook and a pen approach or what was your oh it was way always of... a notebook and pen approach because okay. yeah back when i was that young i didn't have access to that much technology right and yeah i would just scribble random stuff in notebooks and sometimes pieces of paper in school on the way back home from school because mm. it was a long journey back home mm. So it would just be very randomly scribbled in multiple places. Mm. And the first time that somebody did read my work, I realized that, okay, maybe I can write. So and who was the person who read that? This was a very old friend of mine, actually. Okay. And he was the first one to read my work. And he said, okay, this is good stuff. And there's a lot of things in here that I feel and I haven't been able to explain and I said okay fine my poetry is not only for me hmm. that's when I really realized that my poetry is not only for me and it's not something that only I can feel it's maybe something that somebody else can feel too so initially when you started writing it wasn't just a journaling approach or a expression but it was poetry it was poetry oh okay yeah. interesting okay well, how come you got inspired to express it in the form, form of a poem or things like that I think that just had 
somewhat of an appeal to me it was some sort of structure okay in because all my thoughts were very ill defined they were <laughs> all over the place so that seemed to be some structure this is super embarrassing but I did try to write a story okay. and it was based on my own life. I was really young at the time so it was stupid. But anyway, yeah, so I did try to write it but it didn't work it out because yeah. It wasn't coming out the way you wanted. Yeah. Okay. And at that time I was just writing and I think I still have a copy of it somewhere but I'm too embarrassed to even open it and look at it. But yeah, poetry always just appealed to me. It was a lot of structure to unstructured thoughts hmm. and poetry has always just reached me. Hmm. A lot of simple things that I've read be it online be it in my books it's always been that poetry's had a very special place. you t- you mentioned that your your mom uh, was instrumental mom and dad were instrumental in you know getting you to see read books right, right. so they were readers from a very early stage or um, was it something they deliberately did for kids mom used to read dad not so much okay. and even now so i'm i focus a lot on my academics at least i used to constant a star student and every time i get my results they would be super proud but then dad would be like i would pass three times in the marks that you've got in <laughs> but mom used to read dad not so much but i think it was something more for us okay they okay would, yeah so you have a sibling i have an older brother is he also equally inclined to read books like the way you are oh no he doesn't read okay <laughs> he doesn't read he was just saying yesterday that he cannot read okay. he's um, much older than me but he can read percy jackson he okay. can go back to reading those books but other than that you give him a serious book and he will not get okay to okay yeah. and and at 7 is when you started uh, baking yeah that's right okay so tell us the story about that Okay so this it's a full family story. <laughs> Mom used to bake for us when we were younger. There would just be simple basic chocolate cakes or this one vanilla cake with um, green color and pink color. So it would be like a multi-layered cake kind of thing. And I think it was dad's birthday or there was something going on that day and I wanted to bake for him. Hmm. And he really likes chocolate cake. So I wanted to make a plain chocolate cake for him. and mom was busy because my brother being as stupid as he was back then he had an exam the next day and he just couldn't study on his own so mom was teaching him for some hindi exam or something like that and i really wanted to bake the cake and so she said okay fine go bake it okay go do it yeah. and i was like me on my own <laughs> what are you saying and she said you have help and i'm right here whatever you need hmm. and she was around a lot more than i thought she was but at the end of it i felt like i had made a cake on my own hmm. and that came back and he was super happy and like he was saying that that's the best cake he's ever eaten and i was like okay fine i did this all on my own <laughs> i didn't know she was guiding me all along right, right, that's but... something that i can see now but yeah <laughs> but you got a sense of achievement then right yeah. and then after that it just it felt really nice okay and from there on i started baking a little bit on my own hmm. and i just took it from there honestly i just have just taken it one step at a time since then i haven't trained professionally hmm. all that i've done is self taught all that i know now i okay. more or less learned on my own do you remember your first ever client who bought a cake from you paying the money i do actually do? this was back again when i was pretty young okay. and i hadn't started a professional business as of yet hmm. and uh, she had eaten one of my cakes when she'd come over i think right. uh, so this was some far off relative that i i don't even recall how i'm related to her now <laughs> but yeah she had really liked my stuff and she wanted a pineapple upside down cake for her mom okay. because her mom loved pineapple that's when i did my first cake 
and she asked for it and i did it and i didn't even know i was getting paid for it but <laughs> okay uh, yeah. oh you were just willing to do it for yeah, her anyways I was like, okay yeah anyway family right. and i'm just starting out and i was really young back then and i didn't really know she would pay for it but anyway i did it and i got paid for it and i'm like okay i can do this so I, when you got paid what was the feeling that you had did you really see your enterprise growing from there no actually i was a little <laughs> dumb like that i was a little right. slow so i was like i was very confused i'm like really somebody would pay this much for that <laughs> i just do it as a hobby i love to do it that was enough for me right. loving to do it was enough for me i didn't need a monetary value right. attached to it but then i said okay fine there, there's some value to my work that's mm. what i realized later that mm. yeah there is some value to my work and mm. that can definitely grow but i didn't start professionally for a very long time even right. then when so was, so what stopped you then I think I didn't uh, really see it as an option. I was pretty young then, so if I had started by seven, this I would have been around ten then, hmm. and I didn't have access to people. And at that time, nobody like the only cakes you got were from bakeries. Right. So yeah. we didn't. Yeah, there really were no see... specialty shops or cakes as yeah. many as we have right now. And home bakers and custom cakes and things like that really weren't in then. much later when i when i joined social media and i realized that there's a lot of people doing a lot of things mm-hmm. and one day so may 5th is when i started okay and which year may 5th may 5th i think we turned 4 this year so okay, okay. yeah so uh, yeah 4 years back Four years back. Okay, okay. Hmm. So I was just sitting with my cousins, and I was just looking at some of the cake pictures that I had, and I'm like, you know what? I should just make an account and put it out there. Right. And that's what I did. I didn't think about it too much. I made an account, and I just started putting my work out hmm. there, and it just grew from there. I didn't even, um, I didn't have a logo. I didn't have a brand that I started with. I just put out a picture. Right. And that's when I realized, oh no, I have to have a logo. <laughs> What am I going to put for the profile picture? And then the logo came and then the brand came and then you know I started specializing in things and then cl- the clients came and Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. What a great story. And and that reminds me of, you know, a quote that you had uh, mentioned somewhere which said you can always edit a bad page but not a blank one, one yeah. okay can you you know tell our listeners you know what's the context of that and how it has applied to you right this comes from one of my favorite books one of my favorite authors in fact so her name is jodi picolt and she's a brilliant author but not too many people uh, know of her work i started reading her work again when i was pretty young and her books they're slow they're emotional they're appealing and a lot of people in the fast paced world that we live in people a lot of people don't want that mm. a lot of my friends have taken her books from me gotten halfway and said no this is a little <laughs> slow for us but it it just had an appeal to me her way of writing mm. so this is something that she said and i guess it's something that applied to me a lot okay. even when i was writing and even when i'm writing now i'm writing something that's raw something that's emotional and most times i don't um edit my work profusely like i don't go wow. back and okay um, so whatever comes out whatever comes out maybe a little bit of you know grammatical punctuation right. a little bit of edits there but content i barely edit nice, what comes okay. out first comes out and if it works for you as a reader it does otherwise it doesn't but that's just okay. what it is i just started that gave me inspiration i didn't i wasn't too bothered about does it rhyme does it sound nice yeah when after reading this quote for me just it was like it had to be real I just wanted it out there. Right. And after that I could decide whether this is something I want to publish, something that I want to keep for me. Yeah. But the words just had to come out there. And after that what happened was secondary. Yeah, so I think uh, the, the point I was coming back to was it was n- we need not be perfect, 
we need to just start off so even when you started with the baking as an instagram page right. it wasn't like you had a logo ready you had a brand ready right. you had figured out things but you went on to start it anyways right right and i was i really wasn't thinking about right. it too much and i realized that most of the best things that have come from life have come from <laughs> things that weren't really planned that just came in the spur of the moment okay and so i i heard you speak that your poetry is more a, writ- a, a written poetry recital type so what do you mean by that can you explain because and i am getting into territory which i have no idea about be it literature right. or be it baking so right. <laughs> i'm going to ask you a lot of questions there when i started writing it was very personal okay it's something that i always even when i uh, let somebody read my poetry i would just move away like i would be so i wouldn't even want to know what they thought of it <laughs> for me to be in the same room as someone reading my poetry that was something that i wouldn't even imagine happening Why? in the start i didn't know if my poetry had any value to it i okay. was very unsure i was just writing because i had to write mm. because i had to get something out there because it felt good to me it was a source of comfort that's why i wrote mm-hmm. so for anybody else to be reading it it was like okay no i don't know what you're going to be thinking is yeah. this making any sense to anyone yeah because it is deeply personal to you yeah like i just even till now when i've written something and especially if i'm publishing in a magazine or something you know i send it to my parents for them to take a look at it before i send it in but i will be in the other room i will not be in the same room as you finish reading decide what you have to say and then call me but yeah i've always written my poetry i haven't read out my poetry loud like for me written poetry has a voice of its own Okay, okay. I haven't honestly I haven't attended too many open mics or anything like that. I know that my writing could have potential to be read. No, so is there from the in the world of literature there is, is a difference between a reciting type and a, just a written type? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. There's not oh, okay, necessarily okay, okay. a difference. So it depends you can actually present even the written one which you You can. Okay, yeah, okay. You can present. Okay, it. okay, okay. So uh, what was the most uh, challenging experience when you actually started you know, to put a book out there uh, I know that your mom was very instrumental in encouraging you I th- I think you had a, a thought that this is going to be a long term project you do, you can right. never start it early on right, right. and you were thinking maybe I'll shelf it till maybe 26 25 or whatever right, right. but your mom had a very encouraging approach to it She could did. you tell us a little more about that yeah basically this was a very casual lunch thing that I went out with my mom for How and how old were you then when this So I published when I was 15. So this would have been I think 14. Wow, okay. Yeah. Mm. So I was out with my mom for lunch and we were just talking and I was a very deep kid back then and I was already thinking of the future and plans <laughs> and things like that. And I'm like, okay, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to study. And so I was telling her that I write and you've read some of my work, mm. but I do want to publish a book eventually. and she hadn't read too much of my work by then okay but then she's like yeah okay i want to see your work and i said i want to publish a book eventually and that was a little surprising because who thinks like that which which 14 year old <laughs> is thinking like that right. <laughs> we have people much older so yeah yeah so she was like a book really i'm like yeah i want to publish but not now maybe hmm. much later in life 24 25 26 sometime then is when i want to publish a book and she said yeah maybe you should hmm. and i was like yeah actually are you for real actually yeah maybe you should and i went back home and immediately i started researching publishers and i don't even know why i did that i had said hmm. let me wait till i'm much older right but i went back home and i started um, researching publishers and things like that immediately and i did send in some of my work wow this is like you were so self driven at 14 to 
figure out how to go about publishing a book it was difficult honestly so the yeah yeah of course so so how did you do the search you went to like google or did you reach out to people that you knew it, it started with the google search okay and i did find a lot of publishers and then i had instagram so i was uh, looking through people who had published their poems before and you know how they went about it and i was trying to understand the process and things like that right and uh, there was some scope and some people were like no don't publish a full book on your own write one piece for an anthology and see how that goes no. just test the waters first and i right. said no <laughs> if i'm publishing i'm pu- I'm, i'm going all in you had made up your mind about <laughs> yeah, that yeah my first book had to be mine right and i found a publisher and just just yeah. to pause you there why do you think they said uh, don't go full on and you try a piece uh, why do you think they wanted you to do that because i was very young okay. and um, it was difficult to take me seriously honestly okay okay somebody that young was telling you something like that it was and a business decision for them right yeah, so yeah it was a big decision for them mm. and for my parents it was also like once they had read my work it was my work is very vulnerable it's quite out there so they were like do you want to put all of this out there Yeah, is yeah, it something yeah. that you're keen on is it something that will hold you back later there's a lot of things to look at it from and clouded adult perspective but i i was lucky that i didn't have that then <laughs> right right if it was now i would probably still be contemplating should i publish or not had i pushed that decision to when i was older yeah i know that i would never have done mm, it interesting okay so you went on to do the research for the uh, publisher right and then so how did you go on to publish the book Yeah, I found a publisher who was um, ready to publish the book for me. They really liked my work, and I was really excited. Mm. As was everybody else. Yeah. It was a really big deal. And then I realized that. So we had some friends. There were a Delhi-based publication. Okay. So we had some friends who went and checked out their place, and we found out that they weren't exactly what they what they said they Claimed were. Claimed to be. <laughs> yeah, and I was. and we were at the last bit of it like mm. we just had to sign a contract and go ahead with the that happened and i was really upset about the whole thing but i was glad that we found out before we did but yeah. secretly i was thinking we should have just done it anyway like i would have a <laughs> book cares? by the end of it yeah but yeah the whole adult perspective made sense there and then after that we were in sapna bookhouse one day okay. and i was buying books and things like that and we saw something that said sapna ink so we realized they have their own publication thing and so mom went and asked them she told me you know you should ask them what mm. is this and i'm like no you know what it's okay we'll <laughs> see so she went and asked them what it was and they said that they publish mm-hmm. they also publish you saw a spark of hope there you know yeah like. <laughs> and then like she picked up a card and she said no call them and have a conversation with them mm-hmm. and i did and then we went in for a couple of meetings and uh, they wanted to see some of my work and then that got approved and then they wanted to see my first draft and then back and forth editing a lot of that happened mm. they had people give me a few cover designs which we absolutely hated but <laughs> graphic designers in the family so my brother and this one cousin of mine worked on that they yeah. sat together and mm. yeah this was the image that i had in mind my book cover that it is right now yeah. that's an image that i always had in mind and it inspired my title mm. that was something that i wanted in there that they I wasn't able to do so my cousins put that together for me it all just started coming together wow what what a beautiful <laughs> experience and you got the title of being an author by age 14 Right, fourteen, fifteen, fifteen. Yeah, you, you were going to school then, right? I was going to school. So, then, yeah. what was the feel like when you were walked into the school and you're now the <laughs> author also of a book? It was <laughs> lot of limelight, I'm sure. It was, and so this was. I think I was in the tenth grade by then. Okay, fifteen. So. 
Yeah, I was also head girl of school. Okay, I'm doing... not surprised. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. doing multiple things. So I think we had a break, like a summer break or some holidays going on when this came up. No, it was a December. It okay, was a December. Okay. So Christmas break. Christmas oh. break. Okay. And uh, the book came out then. Everyone was really excited and we were hosting a carnival in January. Okay. So uh, they let me launch my book professionally in school then. Okay, okay. And uh, they gave me some space to read uh, one of my poems and like I had a stall, a baking stall also. I was selling my cupcakes <laughs> there. So my books were also there. So people were coming and getting their copies and they wanted it signed and it was honestly very overwhelming. Amazing. <laughs> it's a great story and I, I can see the role your parents really play rather than limiting your beliefs right. uh, there was no cap put telling that hey you're young you don't right, you know, try. Right. so they really kept it really open-ended let you explore so Definitely. I think that is amazing and of course you also went with that whole josh to get it done so great story that bit I had some question which I think you answered but there is so much temptation to really dumb down things when you when you go into the world of publishing something especially right. content we really want to appeal to the masses so we want to appeal to an approach which is tried and tested it's working model uh, so do you ever contend with that temptation if you want to reach the masses you want to really dumb down your creativity so like for example now i'm creating this podcast right sometimes right. i feel i'm very i'm i also feel that i'm very deep thinker so i could go into the philosophical angle with people i right. could but I sometimes feel maybe it is too out there for people to not relate to. Maybe a very small niche group of uh -huh. people will relate to it. And then right. I had to contemplate, oh, should I keep it a little more generic and light? Because right, do you right. have those things when it comes to your Definitely. writing? Definitely. These are things, these are conversations that I have with myself, that I have with other people. Because my work, that is somebody read this one piece of mine and they said we read it in the magazine. And it took us about six or seven tries to really understand what you were trying to say you should add footnotes and I'm like oh no absolutely not that's not right. happening even when I'm making mum read my poem she'll read it and then she'll say give me time yeah. and she will go through it she'll examine every little bit of it and then she'll get back to me on it I understand that some content is hard to reach some people but I started writing as a way of feeling something mm. And that's not something that I want to compromise. Mm. And it is things that some other people feel too, even if it's just another person feeling it. Mm. And if they're feeling valid about feeling those things because of my work, that's okay. Right. I do a little bit of political content sometimes. Mm. Um, political content, social content mm. and things like that. And I realize then I do have to be a little more generic and I do have to be a little more appealing to an audience that will actually read it and understand it so yeah. if there's a message that i have to put out i'll definitely consider going a little easy on my language on things that you know, i'm trying to say the message that i'm trying to convey but not with my poetry <laughs> yeah of course uh, based on the subject you choose maybe you will you know make it easier for relatability right right that right. way but otherwise your, your creative aspect you will keep it intact right beautiful right. okay okay so even now, I think writing is a very hard thing for people. You know, they, I think you have to read to feel inspired to write, I feel sometimes. Right. Or, and, and even then, people have the, that blank page syndrome. So they start, right. they look at a draft and they, or a blank page and it never happens that they are able to go with the flow. Right. How is it for you? Um, what is your process like? So it's usually just one thought that will come up somewhere mm. or maybe one line that I've read somewhere. Usually it doesn't take me a lot of reading to get 
creative it's just yeah. yeah it's just some something that somebody would have said something i would have seen i used to draw a lot of inspiration from the beach so i'm okay. a total beach baby and <laughs> yeah every time we would go on vacation like there would just be something about the beach that would appeal to me the first piece that i've written ocean child is yeah okay. yeah <laughs> so that came from there so the very simple things that usually go unnoticed that i pick up on mm-hmm. and that's the kind of inspiration that i need just one line one one something somewhere mm. and that gets me writing that so then, what's then, your writing process do you go to do you have a specific time of the day that you write or it could be any time anywhere Oh. It could really be any time anywhere I don't keep a specific time to write. I don't journal, I don't write a diary, none of that. Any time a thought comes down, I make sure to jot it down. Okay. And initially it would just be pen and paper, sometimes a tissue like <laughs> in a restaurant somewhere I'll be scribbling something or my desk in school or something like that, but now i have my phone on me most times right. and it's just convenient and especially if i'm going to be publishing these pieces it's awfully convenient for me to have a digital version of it right so a lot of times i do just type it out but i always prefer to write i have this one um journal it's uh, my grandmoms hmm. so there is some of her work in it and in the start the recipes so hold on yeah. so uh, your grandmom also used to write Yeah <laughs> and I found that out very recently my grandma was a very creative person but unfortunately we lost her quite early in the i think last lockdown is when i found out that she used to write my mom was going over some of her stuff mm. and she found something and she hey, I have something to show you and i was like wait what is this and she showed me pieces of paper with something scribbled on it and absolutely horrible handwriting and my handwriting is horrible so i'm like oh oh okay, <laughs> okay, okay yeah what is this and she said it's poetry that your nani's written and i was like wow and nani was a very private person i don't think anybody has really seen um, that side of her before or any of her writing before and i read her work and it really resonates with what i write it's very similar to wow. what i write okay. so i found out very recently that she used to write too because i didn't know where my my right. writing germ from before that right so neither your dad or mom has any taste for writing uh, not writing particularly okay so no. this makes sense okay okay yeah mm-hmm. so that was it was overwhelming but it was really nice it was a very nice feeling to have <laughs> So you you don't have any regimented approach to writing or that no, it's I just you, you got to see the ocean and you start writing. Right. right. <laughs> okay. So do you do you have a note making uh, mechanism or do you keep keep notes uh, in a certain way or I do actually I'm very organized that way. Okay. Right What's now in my bag I have a weekly planner. Wow. Okay. I know I don't need it but I still have it there. Okay. Huh. My notes app is organized. Okay. There's proper notes for everything okay. like that i'm a very organized person but my poetry is something that just takes away from all of that mm. as organized as the form might be it's the most unorganized thing that's there mm. and that's something that really challenges me and who i am as a person because i'm very organized as a person so when you when you uh, talking about the creative aspect now do you write because you have to publish or you write because you have to express I I still only write because I have to express. Okay, and I don't work rigidly with deadlines. That's mm. not something that I put myself to. There'll sometimes there'll be weeks where I don't write. There'll be months that I don't write, mm. and still that's okay. I mm. won't push myself to write just because I have to publish. Right, that's right. not something that I'll do. That's very hard. I feel, especially now, there's an expectation built around you as a person. There's so much these new titles that you hold. 
and there is right. this uh, un- untold expectation built around what you're going to produce <laughs> right. so if there are these long durations of not nothing getting produced do you, you do not feel any pressure about that sometimes i do you do okay. i do feel that kind of pressure mm. but again it really has to come from some sort of experience some sort of something i can't write when there's nothing yeah you can't just force so, your, yeah. yourself to write and right. there's a lot of other things that i can do to distract people <laughs> so it's really it's okay like i can make up for it with other things right but yeah i do feel that kind of pressure i definitely do so what are you prou- you know most proud of personally and professionally so personally in the sense you have your own world and professionally you yeah. are having multiple hats Right. Right. So what are you really when you look back you feel really proud about? Personally I think it's the reconnect with my family. Mm. Because for a long time in my life I was very distant from my family. Really? Distant? Yeah. You mean you meaning you were a quiet child or you were not relatable what is what do you no, mean by the, that so i was the trouble child surprisingly i was the trouble child you were the trouble child, child. i, I was the trouble I child i can't buy that <laughs> yeah yeah so um, my older brother was very quiet and he was in his own shell and he didn't really do much i'm sure he had his own things but mm. nobody really heard about it but i was the one who caused absolute scandal in the family be it boyfriends that i was not supposed to have or phones that what i wasn't supposed to be caught with caught or with. texting apps that and texting people that i wasn't supposed <laughs> to be texting or what not so i was the trouble child okay and after my brother my parents definitely they didn't really expect Round. this turn around so yeah. i keep telling my brother that you didn't do enough like you should have <laughs> laid this path for me it would have been so much easier right but yeah so like i really had to break a lot of stereotypes and considering the fact that i am a muslim girl mm. in a country like this and things like that and obviously the families that we come from and the stereotypes that our culture holds yeah. for us to i was someone who was just ready to break all of them mm. I didn't Where did you get the guts for that? I feel especially you know in certain communities the rules are very strongly defined. Right. And questioning authority becomes something like a disobedience. Okay, so and how did exactly you That's exactly why I did it. It was honestly that spirit of rebellion that I had. I never understood it. Hmm. I always felt like there was too much of a mix and there was no personal space left anymore yeah there was only culture mm. and culture not in the good sense it was something that was very binding that was created around people yeah and that was something that i never agreed with so right. for me it was always like i would always find problems in a lot of these things i would always question authority mm-hmm. it's been uh it's been a habit that i just haven't let go of it gets me in trouble a lot of the time <laughs> i, I <laughs> can guess yeah 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 but it's something that i'll always question something that i don't agree with is something that i'm ready to question and initially that was a lot of rebellion it did cause a lot of distance mm. but then after that when i could include people in my rebellion mm. that's when i realized the change gets made Okay. I could have my individual rebellion and go on to do nothing with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I could get people on the side of my rebellion is when I realized I could really make that change. And so you were talking about uh, you feel uh, a sense of, you know, pride about reuniting and connecting back with connecting your family. Connecting back with my family, coming mm. to a middle ground, coming mm. to having reasonable conversations with them, having okay. that connect. Yeah, so that's something that I really hold in high regard. Okay, and professionally what are you really proud of? Nothing. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, I've but, just done whatever I've done without thinking about it too much. Mm. And even after I've done it, 
I really haven't sat with it and really thought about it too much. And I guess that's what keeps me relatable to. How, how do you define success? In your mind, when I say successful, what comes to your mind? Honestly, I feel like success is very personal. And right. that's something that I've always said. Initially, for me, it would just be getting my name out there, getting hmm. my brand out there and things like that very early on. Because I wanted to make a name because... that's what there were a lot of things keeping me from making that name okay be it community be it uh, society be it these values that we harbor and all of that kept me from making a name so initially it was like no i have to get my name out there mm-hmm. but now and then after that it was probably coming to peace with myself mm. for me being content at the end of the day is enough that is success enough for me and it will change it will change like right. soon enough there will be a monetary value attached to success there will be a lot of things that change with that and i'm okay for my definition of success to be changing because it's personal oh beautiful answer <laughs> i i really liked it i think you kept it so flexible about success as a state of mind being completely no conflict zone within Right. and then also the flexibility to change it based on where you in which phase of life you are living in Definitely. it could be anything nice nice yeah so how much is how much of your work is actually planned and how much is serendipity 10% of it is planned and nothing more than that really yeah. okay yeah. so <laughs> it is just go with the flow and things happen it's mostly like that it's mostly a go with the flow thing but the social and political pieces that i yeah. write are definitely planned based on events that happened so recently i wrote something based on the hijab issue and mm. basically the democracy that we live in and things like that so that was something that was running on my mind and then when the hijab issue came in i did write a piece on that so my social and political pieces are more planned mm. and event based but otherwise i try not to bind myself with those kind of restrictions because there are a lot of expect- expectations out there yeah. and i wouldn't want to put that on myself too okay so. okay do you experience this uh, imposter syndrome sometimes do you feel that like you are not who you are like you having this whole persona that you have to manage do you feel that i do actually because especially when i hear other people talking about me or especially when i get friendly with someone and they say that initially we were like so intimidated by you not in a negative sense but by the sense that know this girl is doing so much how do we get right. to know her and things like that so, so i feel like no i'm one of the simplest person you will come across mm. so there's definitely that there is some unnecessary hype around me sometimes <laughs> which i don't understand i'm like are you sure you're talking about me what's going on here right. so there's definitely that and being as young as i am that does come in the way of things sometimes yeah. but yeah it's something i'm learning to deal with okay okay What is something most people do not know about you? That I'm scared of ladders. Ladders? Yeah. Tell me more. Ladders really <laughs> scare me and those drain pipes when you're walking and there's those yeah, yeah that you have to walk over like I'm frightened like I'm so scared of that. Why is that? Is there a, a traumatizing experience that No, there's, there's nothing attached to it. I just like the second I see that I get dizzy and I'm like I can't cross this. Okay. And uh, You had mentioned that you started early on reading books right. and things like we'll we'll touch books but before that I want to know boy are you uh, like from Bangalore I were you born and brought up in Bangalore or do you have any other history to your No I was born and brought up in Bangalore okay. I do have uh, roots from Kutch though Okay okay A lot of my family my community originates from there but I'm born and brought up in Bangalore Okay and then if you were to sh- shift to any other city or country where would you choose to Um 
Honestly, I wouldn't move permanently. Okay. I love this place. This place is home to me, the people and all of that. But I do love to travel. Okay. I absolutely love to travel. So there's a long list of places that I want to see. There's Amsterdam. There's all of Europe. There's uh, Turkey that I want to go to. There's a lot of different beaches. Give me a chance and I would see every <laughs> beach possible. I think then there will be a lot more books coming out. If you're <laughs> visiting yeah. beaches. Really, yeah. really. I love to travel. I love to see places, but there's a lot of exciting things happening in the culinary world in Paris. So that's also something oh, to take okay, into consideration. Okay. And yeah, there's a lot going on, a lot of things to see, a lot of things to do. But I don't think I'd settle anyway away from home. <laughs> so you're coming back to Bangalore. Okay. Yeah. All right. So speaking about books, so what are some of the books that have uh, shaped your thinking the most? The thing is, I'm majoring in English. Right. Which means I'm always reading something. Right. And now most times I don't have uh, time to pick up a personal book. I'm mostly reading things in my syllabus. And I can't say that it's a single piece that shaped me. Okay. Mostly because half of my English department will disown me and I'm not going to score for the rest of my sem. But we, all... we will not no, release this bit of the interview. By <laughs> the yeah. But it's I think mostly because... Every different piece means something to me mm. and the context in which I'm uh, studying it. So we've done just this last time we've done about 20 different pieces and all of them have left me with something. Mm. So there's no one book in particular that I can say that's really shaped me. No, so for example, not academically, early on in your life, did you have an instance where you picked up a book, it gave you a very new idea or perspective which you never thought about? So one book like this would be The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Okay. Which most people, <laughs> it's one of the most cliche answers you will find. The most basic self-help book or whatever. This was my post-COVID period. Okay. I had COVID and after that, I was really struggling personally, professionally, all of that, maintaining mm. relationships and things like that. Mm. And my brother handed me this book and he said, no, just read it. And I'm like, it's a self-help <laughs> manual. There's no way I'm touching this. No way. But I did get down to reading it eventually. Mm. And there was something in the book that said, your identity is made up of all the little things you're willing to struggle for. Mm. And that kind of just stuck with me. Mm. That's something that stuck with me. And so that's when I had to like restructure all the things that I'm willing to struggle for. Okay. And do I want them to shape me? Do I want them to be a part of my personality? So that kind of changed my life. It was a very important book for me. Okay. Any other book that comes to mind? A lot of Jodi Picoult's work. Okay. Because I wouldn't know. I haven't. Uh, okay. Uh, so there's My Sister's Keeper that she's written. Okay. Which is a very good book. Okay. Yeah. So uh, a lot of her writing, it's... It's very slow, but it's very emotionally appealing. Okay, okay. So that's something that really sits with me. The quote, you can edit a bad page, never a blank one, is from her. Oh, okay. So yeah, okay. so very early on, that's something that shaped a lot of my life. Okay. Yeah. You, do you read books related to baking and stuff like that? Much, not so much. No, okay, not so okay, much. okay, okay. Do you uh, have any original recipe of yours? I do actually. You do? Yeah, okay. I do. A lot of the stuff that I have, it started off from a recipe book, but I've evolved it. Okay. So my most basic, my chocolate cake recipe, that's mostly a base for most of the cakes that I make, is something that's evolved from a lot of work. There's a lot of add-ons from, again, Nani's recipe book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's something that I work to develop and make it my own. Okay. So a lot of recipes, a lot of things that I do make, there are personal touches in it even if it's not exclusively my own okay there's a lot of um, personal touches that i add to it okay okay yeah. uh, what is the best advice that you have ever received um 
so this is this is a very broad question maybe because at different stages of life you would have had right, different right. inputs uh-huh. but something which still stands out so there are two pieces of advice here that i've heard that just shaped my life okay and these are not things that you'll hear people say they usually the opposite of what people will say so the first thing that somebody told me is learn how to say no okay which became very important advice for me and at, uh, when did you get this advice how old were you i think this was not i would have been about 16 or 17 not okay. too far back hmm. but since then it's it's changed my life it's changed okay. my life because i was a i was a big people pleaser like you were the yes person the yeah, always <laughs> the yes person okay. and then i realized that i can say no and i have the power to say no and the power that that holds is absolutely incredible and somebody who doesn't respect that no is somebody that you don't need around right. so that's something that i learned this was a very random person i don't even remember who told me this okay, okay. it just came up in a very random conversation and i don't think they meant it to be that insightful either <laughs> but you got a moment yeah, of realization Okay. Yeah, the second they said, learn how to say no, and I was like, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, <laughs> okay. total mic drop moment. So yeah. there was that, and the second one is something that I formulated for myself. Okay, it's work within your comfort zone. You don't have to work outside of your comfort zone because everyone will tell you work outside your comfort zone. Explore oh, interesting more. answer. Okay, yeah, yeah, tell me <laughs> yeah. more. Yeah. yeah, so it's always explore more. It has to be out of the box. But right. you don't have to work with the outside your comfort zone. Why It's, did you arrive at this this kind of conclusion? Did were you too much out of your comfort zone that where you felt it was too much of a stretch and I'm unnecessarily straining um, myself? Or what what, what caught no, you? No, I think it's again it's a really silly thing that got me to start thinking this way. Hmm. But so basically, I bake and a lot of people like fondant cakes. Hmm. Okay. So fondant is this really? It's a sort of uh, dough kind of thing that they put on top of cakes to make children's cakes really pretty and make like these whole. No, it's not the creamy bit. Okay. It's, it's something which can give a shape to it. Yeah, they usually lay it on top of the cake and they make like figurines and things like that okay. out of it. Okay. Okay. And I really don't fondant because it tastes really horrible. It looks really pretty, but it tastes really horrible and it's so hard to work with. Right. And a lot of people that would reach out, they would insist that they want fondant cakes, and okay. that was something. And I did a tiny class on that until now. I've been self-taught, hmm. so I haven't really taken any classes before. But I said for fondant, let me give it a try. Right. And then after that, even after that, I was like, no, I don't <laughs> want to do this. This is really something that I don't want to do. It's way beyond my comfort zone. So even now, I don't do full, complete fondant cakes. Okay. Small bits, I don't mind. That's something that I enjoy doing. Hmm. But it started from there, and then I said, no, I'm not going to do it. Hmm. Whether I. want to or not it's not something that lies in my comfort zone and it really throws me off so right. i said why should i be doing it it started with there and then it just started applying to a lot of things in life and i feel like it applies to everyone because everyone has an individual talent set hmm. everybody doesn't have to do everything yeah. you don't have to save the world all on your own it's not your responsibility you can just do one thing or you can do nothing right. or you can do everything as long as it's in in your comfort zone right okay so you don't have to step out of that yeah i think this emphasis that the media or maybe what the society has created which says you have to be out there doing the thing you, yeah. ca- you can't be sitting idle you can't be just enjoying life no you got to be doing something all the time right. that really uh, misrepresents the idea of how you can actually have a peaceful life so this is a great point that's true actually because considering the things that i do because i do quite a bit on a daily basis yeah. but there's some days that i will just refuse to get out of bed i will just stay in bed all day right. watching my show right and i'll get yelled at in the evening and then i'll be like <laughs> okay fine i'm going for a run i'm not going to do anything else i'm just going to go for a run so that's the kind of thing like 
the most productive people that you have they break down mm. they have the days where they just need to stay in bed they have their lazy days maybe they have their lazy months where they don't Absolutely. do anything yeah, yeah. so there's also that there's that side that you don't see right yeah we get to see only the things where which is in action yeah, all the time yeah definitely lovely okay uh when you think of entrepreneurship who comes to so again this becomes a very family kind of question because most of the people in my family in my community they're entrepreneurs we've never really um been the kind that work under other people oh so so nobody that's something the... that scared me like working okay. under someone else is something that absolutely frightens me so nobody's in the corporate world or nobody's in the 9 to 5 uh, most of them are you know most of them are running their own businesses okay. some of them are like we do have some people definitely who work in IT and right. things like that but uh, by the way guys who are listening to the podcast when she said IT she made expression in her face <laughs> like, like really a very low level kind of vibe no, absolutely not we don't have a video feed for this but yeah let no, me tell you <laughs> it was absolutely not that it's just that it really scares me okay like something with so much structure and somebody dictating what you're doing and okay. climbing that hierarchy and you know really giving in to things that you don't want to to just get on top and things like that all of that really scares me i think entrepreneurship for me is something that was more of a necessity and i didn't realize if i was thinking about it now i would definitely still and if i had a blank slate now and i yeah. was thinking about it i would still be thinking about how i can start working for myself because working under someone else really frightens me so you never had uh, this picture of you actually going for an interview and trying to crack the interview and work for a corporate ever not really interesting no. okay yeah. okay but it may be something that i have to do in the future because i do want to get into journalism Yeah. So it might be I might be working under people and things like that. And yeah. now I'm starting to open my mind up to it a little bit, but before this I was really scared of working under. So you said uh, family comes to mind when you think of entrepreneurs. Right. Is is there anybody specific who comes to mind or Not really, it's more general and then we also have I have my brother. So the logo that I have right now hmm. for my company and my entire branding is something that he's designed. and he started uh, his journey with me also like he he designed my first logo for my baking thing right. and i realized i didn't have a logo <laughs> and it was a bad logo it was absolutely <laughs> miserable so <laughs> it was this there was just a bunch of i don't know really bright colors and just my brand name written in a really tacky <laughs> font in between and things like that it was screaming <laughs> your brand i guess <laughs> <laughs> really the, the total opposite of it and then after that in between we rebranded okay did your brother work on that yeah he okay. did that too okay. yeah he and he had gotten much better by then <laughs> okay. and then we rebranded again recently i think in 2019 is okay. when the logo that i have now the brand that i have now is something we reworked on then hmm. and he was getting really good then and he had a good lineup of clients and he was doing all this and then he's look i'm embarrassed by your logo <laughs> we need to do something about it because i'm not taking credit for it otherwise right. i'm like yeah no we do have to up my brand okay it's a good idea we did rework on that and yeah so he's been i wouldn't say this to him in person but he has been quite a steady inspiration wow that's i'm, I'm glad there was a happy ending to that bit you know <laughs> because <laughs> it started with the crash of the brand yeah so, yeah so he comes to mind when you think of entrepreneurship yeah, in a way okay great yeah. are you into movies do you watch movies do you uh, listen to music oh, i do i watch a lot of um, stuff on youtube actually and okay. that's where i get a little interesting 
Okay, so uh, so do you have any favorite top documentaries or videos or movies oh, that you definitely. would like to recommend? Definitely, I watch a lot of Anthony Padilla on YouTube. So basically, he's this uh, one YouTuber who does he does a podcast and he also does interactions with people. And his I don't know how to explain this, but he does videos. and interviews with people like he has this one segment with 911 dispatchers then he okay. has something with people with uh, PTSD and there's a lot of things some of them are super fun people some right. of them are super serious hmm. so uh, there's that that i find very interesting i watch a lot of uh, vice worldwide videos where okay. they have a lot of uh, true crime stories okay and yeah yeah there's a lot of true crime and there's the crazy world of you have drugs and you have cults and all of that for yeah. any survivors of that is something that i watch a lot of i'm quite into fashion okay yeah i love fashion so there's a lot of fashion based content that i also watch i love to travel so there's definitely yes theory that i watch what what are your top recommendations for fashion where can people check out interesting youtube um, channels or people so there's a lot of people that i know personally okay that um i see that work on the sustainable fashion journey what do you mean by sustainable fashion uh sustainable fashion so basically all that we have is extremely fast moving mm. uh, all the fashion that we have it's fast moving fast moving in the sense that very short lifespans yeah. as well as it's really harming the environment there's harm on the environment there's harm on people involved in the production of these garments and things like that you're speaking so, about uh, something like leather or are you talking about something else no even factories in general when you have a big brand when okay. you have um, huge luxury brands that you're looking at usually when you look at their production you see the number of people exploited in the process of oh. their production is it's extremely sad to look at right. and the fashion industry itself is somehow quite exploitative okay. so you have some people who are slowing down this process who are just taking it one step at a time working on getting hand woven fabrics you have a lot of people who do their own stitching who pay fair wages to get their stitching done and things like that okay. so i feel like that's very important but i do also look at a lot of high fashion okay i okay. do uh, look at a lot of designers a lot of brands a lot of bridge brands and things like that so is amina getting into fashion another line of work i actually uh, last time i did take a uh, fashion image management okay yeah so fashion styling is also so okay guys I, i think by the time this episode is out guys i think there will be a new line of work i will be releasing for sure but interesting okay so fashion is another yeah, so okay. fashion then there's uh, a lot of travel blogs that I watch. Okay, we could just, uh, definitely add that in our show notes if you can share some of the links, or we yeah. will add it so that you know people can benefit okay. from that. Definitely. Okay, and uh, I, I think this may be a standard question you must have been asked earlier. Do you see in any specific line of work as the way uh-huh. you are exploring? Because the options seems multi options. You know, it's not just one. Right. Your, uh, journalism seems like a exciting option, but cooking, baking could be another line of work. Right. and then also you are involved with social causes also right could uh-huh. you speak a little about the social cause you are involved in right that's my little way of giving back i try i it's not always that i have time all that i am spending enough time doing this but so i work with the safe space project it was something that a friend started off okay where we built safe spaces for survivors of sexual assault okay and for me that was always an important point because i saw a lot of people i know struggling uh, to find a safe space okay situations do happen and they're not they can't always be prevented 
okay we can try to prevent them but when something does happen what after that mm. where do you know people find their voice again where do they feel worthy again yeah. she came up with the idea and we worked with that so i basically mostly write content for them because that's something that i'm good with and we also have uh, one on one interactions with survivors and things like that okay so that's something that's going on and then there's bangalore student community that i also volunteer with from time to time so what this, do you contribute there in with uh, the student community the student community how this started again was in a lockdown okay. where we had the whole migrant immigrant crisis mm. going on where a lot of the laborers were going back home and they were walking in the lockdowns so they yeah, wanted to yeah. get back home right. so it started as a way to help them be it with their ticketing their registrations food for the journey clothes for the journeys back home okay. and you know to stop people from physically walking back home because a lot of life so getting lost right. in the process so it actually started from there mm. and there were a lot of youth that were volunteering okay and uh, that's when it grew into a kind of student community and i've always been in the student unions in the places that i've been so mm. when i was in pre university in mounts itself i was president there back in school i was head girl i have a general idea of how the management works and how the students work with the management and a kind of middle ground right. so wherever i can in a little bit i do pitch in i don't volunteer as a campus ambassador or any of that okay okay because i don't like to limit myself to endorsing a single view or a single organization that's not something that i do so mm. yeah i just volunteer with them whenever i can be it their social causes or yeah. uh, their professional events and things Wonderful. like that uh, so uh, yeah the question i was planning to ask you was do you see any specific line of work that you will be inclined towards in, in the years to come or <laughs> right. still, it's a broad area and there is need not be any answer to that though right, but right. yeah if you were asking this question say about a year back i would be sure about what i wanted to do and i would refuse to move from it but now i've been a little more forgiving of myself and what changed in the last one year then i realized that i can take it easy that i've done quite a bit and even mm. if i do nothing but like you know make enough money to sustain and make sure my beach holidays happen <laughs> i'm i'm good for the rest you're, of my yeah, life yeah you're okay yeah yeah i'm i'm okay i don't really want anything more but mm. the, that will change and if i do want something else and i'll work on it then yeah. right now i'm getting my degree in english literature and uh, journalism and i'll probably get into journalism because i do have to make some money somewhere <laughs> but yeah and that's something that i'm also very interested in okay. so that seems like where it will go but i really don't know it might not it might but there's still a little bit of time for me to figure that out so i'm just going to take it as it comes nice okay and figure okay. that out all right so we'll now move to our uh, last segment uh, which okay. is the rapid fire round oh <laughs> <laughs> okay so the first question What is something new happening in your life right now? New that's happening in my life. I'm okay with doing nothing. Okay, okay. What's your favorite word? Um juxtaposition. <laughs> Explain. <laughs> yeah, that's something that I didn't know what it meant for the longest time and my professors would keep using it all the time. Yeah. And then I figured out what it means and I haven't stopped using it ever since. So what does it mean? It basically it's a very complex way of saying um when something is opposing the other but it's actually explaining it in that sense also okay yeah. okay if you could live anywhere in the world where would that be paris okay but you said you were never going to leave bangalore yeah but <laughs> rapid okay. fire this is rapid I should, fire I should okay. think that <laughs> what's the first thing you notice about someone when you meet them usually their eyes okay okay if you could instantly become an expert in something what would it be dance hmm why 
because I can't dance at all. Okay, so yeah. you would like to learn that. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever stolen anything? I know a couple of parts here and there, but that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. What qualities do you value uh, in the people with whom you spend time? Honesty, definitely. Hmm. And someone who can be non-judgmental. That's very important. Okay. Have you ever left a one-star rating on something? What did you review and why did you rate it that way? Usually when I want to give it a one-star, I just don't rate it. Oh, okay, okay. But otherwise, yeah. uh, you always give great rating. But otherwise, if it is bad, you don't give rating at all. Yeah, I try to avoid it. Okay. And especially when I have a personal bias against it. Okay, okay. At what job would you be terrible? Dancing. <laughs> okay, I can see this is your <laughs> deepest desire to dance. Whereas. It's really something that I just know that I cannot do. And I would rather not. But yeah, it just gets me really... really okay, if we have any promising you know, choreographers listening to this, please contact <laughs> to transform this belief please of hers. <laughs> okay, what do you do to unwind after a long day of work? I love tea. Hmm. Yeah, so okay. I drink... The, I drink the a... Indian tea or you have a, a, a process to your tea making? No, I have... A nice good collection of herbal teas. Okay. I do love like our Indian chai also. Right. When I'm out with my cousins and all of that. But yeah, I have a nice herbal collection of my teas. And I like that. I like long drives. I like okay. to spend time with people that I know are real and that I can have a conversation with. Nice. Okay. Do you have any annual family traditions? Um, definitely Eid celebrations that we have, birthdays. So I love my birthdays. I love other people's birthdays more. Okay. But everyone gets really excited about my birthday <laughs> and that's really cute. So there's that. Okay. Now, if all the books in the world disappear except for three, which books are you keeping? My sister's keeper. I think mine. <laughs> <laughs> and definitely my English textbook that changed my life. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. This is... That's very interesting. Okay, I, I never knew somebody would, uh, you know, really adore their textbook like so yeah, much. Yeah. Okay. I'm quite a nerd, really. <laughs> what is something that you have done in your life that no one would expect? Mm, what have I done? I can't think of a single thing. Uh, that's embarrassing. I think most of the things that I've done so far, nobody really saw it coming. Mm. Now it seems okay, but... But it, it was originally not expected. Yeah, yeah. Of. It definitely wasn't expected of okay. me. No. If you're banned from the internet for two straight months, what are some things you will do? I'd probably... I'd be happy. Okay. I'd generally be really happy. Oh, why would you say um, that? Yeah. Because I'm a little scared of technology. Like, I, I really use my social platforms and everything. But technology kind of scares me. And the rate at which we're advancing really scares me. Like w I, what um, aspect of that bothers you? The lack of real life communication mm. that we're having. The images that we get to portray. The selective images that yeah. we get to portray. And the kind of impact that has on other people. Yeah. And you know, that instant gratification that we, that we want all the time. Right. Those things really bother me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. What qualities do you admire most in your parents? Um... The fact that regardless of whatever, like, they're really warm, they're really... The, that kind of love is the love that I want, so... They're very non-judgmental and accepting to oh, you? Oh, they are very okay. non-judgmental, yeah. Okay. And I'm quite a bit to process. And they've managed to process that, so <laughs> big shout out to them. Wonderful. You did great in your uh, rapid-fire round. I really enjoyed some of the answers that you gave. So thank you. Thank you. This was uh, a fun conversation. I know there are a lot of areas and segments that we never 
we didn't dive into probably we could plan a round two with you on that Definitely. but this was really interesting to get to get a glimpse of your world what you do where can people you know find you where what are your social handles um so there's instagram and it's amina with four a's one m <laughs> two i's n and four more a's there's a lot of a's there right and uh, there's my email amina.ashar at yahoo.in You want to give your email out? It'll yeah, be like it'll okay. be flooded <laughs> in case this this episode goes viral. So, but yeah, sure, yeah, it's your choice. So okay. So there's my Instagram and there's my email. Drop me an email anytime and okay. follow up from. Is there any final thoughts that you want to share? Just that this conversation was really lovely and it was nice. I got to know a little more about myself. and i'm sure a lot of people who are a little intimidated by me will get to see a little more human side to me yeah. so i'm really looking forward to that and i really love this platform that you've built this is really it is really great and i'm so happy to have been on here thank you this this is this was a like a total uh, refresher for me because you're the youngest one who's come to my podcast okay. and uh, you are so multi talented uh, and you earned it you really worked hard and you really earned and i i do not see like you are sitting in right in person in front right. of me i do not see a element of stress in you because you are managing these things so right. it is like so much natural so it's so beautiful <laughs> really i i really appreciate and um, i i wish more people uh, get to see the real you and get a glimpse of who you are and the kind of person you are and get a little energy rubbed off <laughs> so that they also feel inspired to do something you know fantastic which they enjoy in their life okay thank so you. thank you and uh, this was a blast and uh, we shall connect soon then definitely <laughs> thank you so much manoj this was super fun i hope you enjoyed the show all the key points discussed will be available in the show notes section at www.rareearth.com that is r a r e e r t h.com Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you really enjoyed, please do give me your feedback, review and rate on iTunes or any listening app of your choice. Do subscribe and share. Thank you.